today on Ag News Daily. The tool has been tested in purebred cattle and commercial cattle. We're incredibly confident that it's going to work regardless of the source of cattle. We're just helping you account for variation that otherwise you may have been ignoring or not giving enough credit to. Tanner Winterhoff joined here alongside Cassidy Zirkle on a Tuesday edition of the Ag News Daily Podcast. Got the whole crew seems like they're a little bit under the weather today, Cassidy. Yeah, it's sad to hear that Delaney is sick just after her wedding, and it seems like I'm coming down with some sickness as well. Glad I could be able to join you today, though, Tanner. Yes, I'm happy about that as well. I'll try and carry the load here for the listeners, but appreciate you coming on to help guide me through this. The uh, first thing I'll jump into is kind of the guide of progress. As far as farmers go, we have this week's crop progress report. Corn development came out at 80% of the corn was soaking as of Sunday, July 23rd. That is five percentage points behind the five-year average. Again, we know that that's delayed because of delayed planting. Crop condition of 61% was rated good to excellent. That is unchanged from the previous week. Cassidy, when we jump into the soybean side, crop development had 79% of soybeans blooming. That is, again, 1% behind the five-year average. Crop condition, however, went up one percentage point to 60% of soybeans being rated good to excellent. When you look at winter wheat harvest progress, 82% of that crop has been harvested. That is a little bit behind the five-year average. And spring wheat crop development is 97% of that crop is headed out. Now just 2% behind the five-year average, getting closer to 100 So that makes a lot of sense. Crop condition there, 70% of that crop is rated good to excellent, up two percentage points from 68%. As we talked yesterday during our market segment, a lot of that's probably due to some of the timely rains that hit the area. Absolutely. And it's good to hear that we're not too far behind the five-year averages after how late we know planting was. My side of the news stories this morning, I have a report coming saying that Regenerative agriculture is going to be trending in the food and consumer minds in 2023. I think we all knew this was coming with all the talks of climate change lately. So it does seem like it's a good look for farmers and ranchers to be adding some regenerative practices into their farming and ranching so that consumers will be more likely to buy their products. Yeah, absolutely. We've even seen that on uh, the other podcasts that I host, the number of requests that are coming in conversations with those that are doing regenerative practices so not not a surprise on that side of things what might have been a surprise to most of us in the ag world is the acquisition merger announcement that big iron made so big iron auctions acquires sullivan auctioneers llc as of july 19th it was finalized that big iron and sullivan have reached an agreement for an acquisition it will combine two of the biggest online auction companies with a shared total of over 80 years experience in the auction facility realm our shared philosophies of transparency trust hard work solidified this decision to combine our organization said mark stock the big iron ceo the sullivan headquartered headquarters in hamilton illinois will continue to operate, but as a big iron company. So Dan, Joe, Matt, Luke, and Michael Sullivan will lead the Hamilton, Illinois, Huntington, Indiana, and Bird Island locations, while the Stock Brothers will continue to manage the Omaha, Columbus, 
and St. Edwards, Nebraska location. So large auction merger being announced there. Uh, other news, as we look at that grain that was being shipped out of Ukraine, the Sierra Leone flagged Rizzoni that we talked about yesterday has set sail. It did in, hit some inclement weather and slowed its progress, according to Turkish Rear Admiral Okin Altuna Bulak. The coordinator of this project wants the vessel gets to its destination. Russian, Ukrainian, Turkish, and United Nations officials will be there to inspect the ship when it lays anchor in Istanbul. So looking to see how this first maiden voyage goes. But overall, some good news that it is still afloat and headed to its destination. Yes, that is good news, Tanner. I know that a lot of us are riding on that shipment from Odessa, especially everyone in the markets. My next piece of good news is that a new virtual fencing system is being explored in the ranching industry for western mountainous states. This system will basically help cattlemen fence their cattle without having an ecological impact and help them rotate their pastures easier with their rough terrain. Wow. So when you dove into that, did it, you know, I'm imagining uh, one of those dog collars that has a virtual fence and you'll beep at the dog when it gets too close to the edge. Did you find out how this virtual fence is going to work? It did say that it would apply a electrical shock to the cow's neck when the animal approaches the virtual barrier. So I think you're on the right track, Tanner, but I think this is probably going to have to be a little bit stronger to keep the cattle in. It has (laughs) received some funding from the government for University of Iowa and Washington State University to test the safety and efficiency of the prototype and see how well it works for cattle, sheep, and other grazing livestock. That's great. I uh, We have one of those for our pet and uh, she's been trained to hear the beep. And when she hears the beep, she knows to turn around, but uh, you can't forget those batteries need recharge. So we'd hate to see these cattle <laughs> get loose just because of a dead battery. But on a, a little bit of a different note here, coal prices have taken off and they are slow, soaring to the top. Global coal consumption is expected to return to record levels since almost 10 years ago, reflecting back to 2013. The global energy supply crunch continues. Investors in coal stocks have having a field day with their high coal prices. And even though there might be talks about carbon emissions, the slowing investments in alternative energy and the consumption levels of energy are at an all-time high. While investors are playing in the coal markets, Uh, A lot of partners are stepping out against this, but the uncertainty around the world energy supply is causing this to become more of a much needed power source. When you speak about power, wanted to roll right into another article here that has reports of Russia firing artillery from a captured nuclear power plant in Ukraine. And Ukrainian defense systems are a little bit reluctant to shoot back because if this battle was to end they don't want to damage the infrastructure again we just talked about how low the energy supply is around the world so new york times is reporting that uh, this was a very bold and strategic move and might allow russian defensive artillery to not be attacked back for the fear of ruining one of 
the nuclear power plants that drives a substantial amount of power in Ukraine. So a little cat and mouse game there. It, it seems like a strategy that might work. Well, that is a good strategy, it sounds like, for Ukraine and a, a good understanding of where they're at in this war. And I hope that they are able to hold on to that strategy and keep their people safe. Someone else that is working to keep their people safe right now is the state of California and Oregon. The biggest fire that has hit their area this year is the McKinney Fire, and it has so far get burned 55,000 acres and had thousands of people removed from their houses and evacuated from the area. Oh, that's not any good. That's, uh, that's unfortunate. We had a lot of fire news, it seems like, this year. I did see a headline. I didn't grab the article to report on that the Kentucky flood death toll had climbed, I believe, up into the 30s, which is unfortunate for natural disasters as we talk those. But why don't we wrap up here with a little bit of a hit from the markets. It looked like corn futures, again, were lower. Uh, of course, that is on the better outlook and uh, crop ratings coming up. Soybeans themselves also are again sinking in the overnight. November beans have nearly fallen nearly a dollar a bushel since their high last Friday. Uh, again, that's tied to weather, but also some geopolitical tensions in China due to Pelosi visiting Taiwan, like you had reported about, Cassidy. Uh, outside of grains, the Dow Jones Industrial Index closed down 46 points on Monday and opened down 194 points earlier today. September crude oil is also down five cents per barrel and the dollar index is up. So across the grains board to hit you exactly where we're sitting here as we record, uh, December corn down 12 cents to 597.20. The soybeans for November are down 20 and a half cents to 13.85 and three eighths. Uh, looking across to the meats, live cattle for August uh, unchanged, while the October and December contracts have both flipped a quarter, both coming in respectively at a 142.37 and 148.52. Feeder cattle up, green just slightly for the day, October feeder cattle at 185.80. Lean hogs are down across the board at all contracts. Little change, but certainly seeing some negative momentum. Well, it is a Tech Tuesday, Cassidy. I think it's time to jump into our Tech Tuesday conversation. Let's do it. Well, listeners, we're excited to introduce you all to Mr. Shane White, the U.S. Beef Business Manager for Quantum Genetics, joining us today for our Tech Tuesday conversation. Shane, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. And we always start off our conversations just getting a bit of your background and how you got to where you were. So what was your childhood like in agriculture? Were you involved at all? And how did you get with quantum genetics now? Yes, ma'am. I grew up in agriculture on a, a small show cattle and seed stock operation in far western Colorado and attended Colorado State University, graduating with a bachelor's degree in animal science and ag resource economics. Wow, there you go. So then you landed at Quantum. So tell our listeners a little bit about what Quantum does. Quantum Genetics is a full service genomic analysis company based out of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. 
They were founded in the mid nineties by Lee Marquis and some other founders. And they offer crop genomic testing, cattle genomic testing, anywhere from uh, crop disease issues to herd performance type products, as well as the, uh, the product you guys contacted me about, QReveal, which is a technology that allows us to account for animal variation in cattle feeding. Very cool. So what is your personal role in that product and in quantum genetics as a whole? So I represent the feed yard and, and cattle-based products in the United States market. Nice. So when looking at this Q reveal, correct? If I stated that right, yes, what, what is exciting and what's new about that kind of technology? As we sit here on a Tech Tuesday interview, our goal is to try and introduce our listeners to the latest in innovations as it relates to ag. So what, what is exciting about this new release? It gives feed yard operators the ability to account for variation in their sets of cattle that otherwise they've used non-binary measurements to account for, such as coat color or source, we're giving them a data point to help account for animal variation and help them capture more of the margin that might be left on the table by not accounting for that variation with a data point. Very cool. And what are some of the main differences in this software program and some of the others out there that are offered to farmers and ranchers? You know, that's a great question, and, and I can't sit here and say that I'm familiar with every technology that would be out there, but to my knowledge, we are the only technology today that is offering feedlot producers the ability to dial in when their cattle run out of margin by using genomic variation as an accountability factor. So this is going to be used on some of these operations as a key profitability tool. How, how have you seen producers go from not doing any testing like this to implementing into one of their key business decision-making plans? Luckily, we have a uh, model of trying to walk before we run and, and honestly crawl even before we walk. So we like to start with having producers test one or two pins to truly understand the tool itself and the kind of information that not only feeds into our web-based program, but also the information they will get back out of it. So just helping them to get their hands on it, touch it, feel it, and understand how they're currently accounting for when their cattle run out of feeding margin and the kind of information we're providing them that might give them more granularity in when those cattle run out of feeding margin during the feeding period. So we, we've probably got listeners all across the board with experience and exposure. So when you talk cattle feeding margin and running out of margin, what, what do you mean by those terminologies? Running out of margin or what we're accounting for in feeding margin is saying that there is a value in adding more pounds to the animal based upon their ability to produce a pound of beef versus the cost of producing that. And every pin of cattle runs out of that value at a different point in time. And before today, we've really used non-binary terms of measurement other than weight to say, well, this is when we believe cattle will run out of margin. 
we are trying to give producers a new way to account for when that occurs and help them market cattle at the right time to maximize profitability. Well, Shane, I think this is a very valuable tool to feed yards across the country. And one thing I was curious about, does it work better for purebred cattle or is this very uh, profitable and useful for commercial cattle as well? The, the tool has been tested in purebred cattle and commercial cattle. We're incredibly confident that it's going to work regardless of the source of cattle. We're just helping you account for variation that otherwise you may have been ignoring or not giving enough credit to. Right. And if any of our listeners want to employ this tool on their own operation, how can they go about that process and what does it look like? So they can feel free to reach out to me or to reach our website at Quantum Genetics. The genetics is spelled with an I-X on the end. So that's Quantum Genetics. And they can look up the Q Reveal tool on our website. It'll give them the ability to look through how the technology is working, and they can even sign up to get access to the demo pins that we have within the technology to really play with how does it work, how does feed cost impact that that difference, how do different pins look in different marketing scenarios, whether you're selling your cattle live, on a grid, contracted, hedged, any way you want to make those decisions We'll give you the ability to account for those variations and see the value of genetic testing in helping you pick when your cattle run out of margin. So I know that you've got the cattle focus as part of your role, but I'm sure the company tries to keep you a little bit uh, apprised of the crop side. Where do you see, or from your knowledge on the crop side, what type of crop have you seen the most clients sign up to use this process for? Is it corn? Is it wheat? Do you know? We see a tremendous amount of crop testing going on in our Canadian business, and that would be with corn and canola primarily. There you go. I knew that I didn't want to let that part go unspoken because it does work for both sides. We certainly value your expertise on the U.S. cattle side and dealing with livestock. But what, what do you see as exciting in the future for quantum coming down the road? Are you looking at uh, expanding into other livestock species? What, what's some exciting news coming down the road? We're always looking for, for new and different abilities to account for variation. There's tons of different genetic markers that account for variation. And we are constantly out finding the best and, and using them to continue to build our expertise. So as we go forward, we'll have new and exciting products to offer from the cattle side, and we'll continue to expand our crop testing business. Well, Shane, we're really thankful for you joining us today to talk through quantum genetics technology and be a part of our Tech Tuesday conversation. But one more time, how can our listeners reach you if they want to personally talk to you about this technology and what they can do with it? Absolutely. So they can reach out to me via LinkedIn. I'm available on LinkedIn as well as uh, through email. Uh, My email will be swhite at quantumgenetics.com or they can feel free to call me. Uh, I'm sure you can provide my contact information. Great. Thank you so much for joining us. We're really thankful for having you on.
Well, Tanner, that was a great conversation for our Tech Tuesday, and I'm excited about that technology coming from quantum genetics. Yeah, that'll be another interesting one to keep tabs on as they look to expand into other types of livestock. But for now, if you're a cattle producer, it might be something worth checking out. Absolutely. And for now, I think we've covered all we can for this Tech Tuesday episode. What do you say? We let listeners go? Let's let them go. (laughs) 